Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Gathering in the Lamp podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. We're recording this less than 24 hours from Aston Villa's emphatic 3-0 win against Arsenal. We're going to run through the game, give our take on the contest, talk about the international break and some of the praise that's being heaped Aston Villa's way. As always, I'm Regan and you can find me on Twitter at FineFoy and today I'm joined again by Mark and Andy. What's going on, everybody? Mark Jerby here. You can find me on Twitter at VillaMarkPGH. Really excited to sit down and talk about this. I'm still buzzing. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I'm still buzzing from this. It's time to be excited. It's not a time to, you know, whisper like, oh, it was great. It was a good time. I think I think we need to stand up and shout a little bit here. This is starting to become very real. But as always, joined by Regan and Mr. Andy Bates. Hi, good to be back, guys. Um, yeah, my name's Andy, and you can find me at K2 underscore Villa. And um, yeah, absolutely echo that, Mark. I think we should uh, we should praise the uh, what's going on at, at the club at the minute. It's uh, it's it's incredible, really. Yeah, it is. It is. And without further ado, let's get into the the memorable and massive win against Arsenal. You know, we th- we thought after just forty five seconds that we'd we'd taken the lead with a peach of a John McGingle, and it looked it looked really as if Arsenal weren't prepared f- from from the opening kind of five five or ten seconds. And you know, we we know that VAR ruled off the goal, and the the reason being Russ Barkley was blocking the keeper's uh, line of sight in an offside position, but you know, it it was a, it was very much a sign of what Aston Villa were were. At the Emirates to do. Um, do you guys think that VAR got this one right, or do you think that Leno saw it all the way and really couldn't do anything about it? Uh, I it was frustrating. It's frustrating that the, you know it went down the way it did with VAR, but I really do think they got the call right. I mean, but again, it's it's a promising start to the game. That's what you want to see. You want to see Villa come out on the front foot, you know, kind of take teams by surprise a little bit. I thought they did a really good job with that, especially in the opening about ten to fifteen minutes of the game. But yeah, the VAR decision, man, as, as frustrating as it was, I was. I, I don't know. If he sees the ball come across the box and he see, he sees where the pass is going, if the player's in an offside position or not, he still sees that that's ball's coming in. Ross Barkley didn't touch the ball. I don't know. It's I get the rule. I understand it. It was right at the end of the day by the rule book, but I mean, I would I I, I love John McGinn. I want to see John McGinn score all the time. I don't know, Andy. Did you think it was a fair one, or did you, did you think that it was it was a little chintzy? I mean, it was a yeah. It was a it was a bit of a dodgy call. I think um, I can see why it was given. Uh, I can see why um, they overturned it and, and ruled out the goal. Um, you know, it did certainly look to me, and I've heard other people saying it, it looked like Leno had a f- clear view of the ball. Um, and all right, Barkley was offside and, and in line and to some degree, but I don't think he was really blocking the, the flight of the ball, I think. And and the other, you know, like we like we say, it's 
there's no way any goalkeeper is saving that for me. Um, it was an absolute bullet and um, such a shame that it was disallowed. And it was lucky, I suppose, in a, in a sense that it didn't really cost us. Um, I just think with some of these VAR calls, we, we're almost being a little bit hoodwinked into into thinking that, that these are good decisions. Um, you know, with technicalities and things like that, when actually, you know, it's just, for me, it's just not football. Um, you know, these things happen. Sometimes players get in the way. You know, it's 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 just the way it goes. Um, Barkley didn't touch the ball, so for me, it shouldn't have been shouldn't have been given. But I can see with the technicalities why it was given. But now a bit of a, I thought it was a bit of a dodgy one. Um, but but there you go. Well, Villa didn't really wait around too long to let Arsenal get back into the game. Bar a few minor errors that went without punishment, Villa did look the much stronger side. And and they looked locked in for, for the beginning of the first half. Um, Villa's eventual opener came from serial back post scorer Trezeguet. We slowed the, the the play down a bit, and you know it was it was such a kind of beautiful piece of play that you know so many pundits were saying they thought that we slowed the ball down too much. Um, but but evidently it was it was just the right amount because you know after a slow period of play, Matt Target found himself at the near post before he squared the ball pretty inch perfectly for Trezeguet to tap in, uh, despite a rash challenge from from uh, Saka. The goal was declared an own goal for Saka, and, and rightly so. You know, Saka did get the the last touch on it. Trezeguet didn't actually touch it, but you know, I think if if Trezeguet, um, if the ball hadn't gone into the net, sorry, I think I think Trezeguet would have won a penalty there regardless. You know, it was it was a rather rash challenge that was obviously resulted in a goal. Um, but you know, Trezeguet's creating massive problems for teams when he drifts into space at the back post. We saw it against Southampton. Um, he had three or four absolutely massive opportunities. You know, he was chesting it down, hitting it on the volley, things like that. And and it was just a shame that, you know, it didn't go to Trezeguet because his work ethic over the last couple of a couple of games and this season so far has, has deserved him to pick up a goal. I, I completely agree with that. And I, I don't think, I think Trezeguet, now we're seeing a, a different side of him. And we've said that over the past couple of podcasts, but even though this goal was called back to be an own goal, I don't think that's going to bother him. I think he knows that he was pretty much the, the prime contributor to the reason why that goal went in with the, the way he times his run, how he gets to that back post. It's a handful for anybody really. And we're seeing it, especially, you know, like you said, in the Southampton game, he had three or four massive chances he could have found the back of the net. It just wasn't his day. It wasn't many players day against, against Southampton, but you know, I, I love this kind of a goal. I think this this is important to Villa where, you know, they don't always have to be pretty. They don't always have to be 20-yard curlers, you know, anything like that. Get him how you can get him. The hard work's going to pay off. I think we've seen that with Trezeguet, and we're seeing that with him. He's running all over the place. I, I mean, and it, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get onto it, but, you know, every player played a part in this game against Arsenal, and, you know, it's it's against Arsenal, boys. We beat Arsenal 3-0. Like, that, come on, like, get excited about it now. Like, this, this is this is serious business, but I'm really impressed with Trezeguet. Thought the goal was great, and I do agree that it probably would have been a penalty if it doesn't find the back of the net. It was a really harsh challenge, but, you know, the, the player marking him, I think it was... Was it Saka? Was it Saka that, that was marking him on that play? I can't. I can't yeah. yeah. But he's he's not known for his defensive capabilities anyway. So yeah, for me, it, it would have been a pen. But a- Andy, I mean, that's a hell of a way to start a game right there. That's a, an absolutely tremendous goal, in my opinion. Yeah, I I uh, tweeted um, the old rude hullet phrase of uh, sexy football <laughs> when it went yeah. in. I just thought, it, and it and it was it was just classic 
Barclay and Grealish link-up play with um, Target heavily involved. And it's almost like they they went down that side and they, they kind of just waited and waited and waited for the opening. They tried once to get it, to get Target in and it didn't pay off. They turned it back round and, and, and built it again, just, just in that, that, that little kind of area of, of space, just by the penalty area. And eventually Target got in and, and it, you know, yes, stuck it across really well. Um, just, just, just lovely to see, you know, such, such skill. Um, and, uh, just, just an awareness and a, an appreciation of the the tight space they were in and, and where the defenders were, the fact that you know they were almost goading them. Come on, then you know lunge in on us. You know make take the ball off us, make us stop. Um, and Arsenal just didn't have an answer for it. It just it just went went kind of round and round, and and eventually we we got the we got the killer pass through and. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Trezeguet just did his job there, didn't he? You know, he was a presence at the back post, as he so often is. And and Saka had no choice, really, that to go through him and, and try and get something on the ball. And, you know, I just I just loved it. I just thought, blimey, this is Aston Villa playing playing this level of football. Um, you know, two, two footballing magicians, really, creating, you know... A great goal and running rings around Arsenal, who have been excellent defensively so far. So, yeah, absolutely loved it. There's there's a lot of plaudits that are given to to Barkley and Grealish, but I think a lot of their play wouldn't be possible without a target. Um, you know, yes, they link up so well, Barkley and Grealish, but targets always there as the the third option. Um, and you know, for for this goal, he was consistently involved dragging players towards him uh making those those cutting runs and i think you know we've seen target do those runs even before barkley was was a part of the, the side um but i think you know he's he's knowing exactly when to make them and he's knowing which players he's dragging with him and and it 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 looked like something that was completely off the training ground for me it was almost like you know okay we're going to pass it between us for you know a couple of passes and then Matt you go and and he went and it for me it looked just so training ground-esque and I don't know whether that's a positive on our behalf or a negative for the Arsenal defence but it was it was literally just like springing springing that trap for for Target to to kind of enter and, and Arsenal to fall into. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it does look like something that's worked on the training pitch itself. Um, I wouldn't be upset, you know, to see a couple pictures of Matt Target and Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish away from the squad, like in a training, like a little game and just basically manipulating that little 10 to 12 yard passage on the left hand side. Because listen, like, like you said with Matt Target, like if he's able to pull players out of position, who better to pull players out of position to gain an advantage of that than Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley in this team? So that's definitely something that if it's not already been worked on, it sure as hell looked like it's already been worked on. But I agree. You can almost use my target a little bit like a decoy, but there's going to be times where, you know, th- whatever team we're facing is able to, you know, kind of mark Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley in that kind of play off the left-hand side. You know, targets, he, he can put a ball in. I mean, it's... 
he has those games where he looks like he's not really impacting the play, but he is doing small little things out there that are allowing Grealish to release up the pitch. He's doing things to be able to put the ball back in the midfield. I said on a previous episode that I, I do think his one-on-one against the fullback or uh, against the winger that's defending him needs to be improved on. But again, you know, everyone learns different at, at this at this level of football. I think he is still learning. I think he's gaining much more chemistry with Jack Grealish than we saw last season, which is only a positive in my opinion. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think target's fine. I think we're, do- we're we are going to eventually need left back depth. I don't think someone's going to come in and straight take his job. But I would like to see that position solidified a little bit. But as of right now, he's playing really, really well with Jack Grealish. That chemistry is definitely something that Villa's going to hang their hat on this season. And I think as well, you know, a lot of people have been saying, you know, Trezeguet's the most improved player since you know the last season went into into lockdown. But I think you know. Whilst Target does have his faults, I think Target's vastly improved as well. I think he's improved defensively. I think he's improved offensively. Um, and, you know, I think I think we're finally seeing what a, a kind of settled, solidified squad can bring. Um, you know, Target should have competition, in my opinion. I don't think he, know, he knows he's not going to lose his spot to Neil Taylor. But, um, you know, the, the fact that, you know... Douglas Louise looks comfortable. Esri Consa looks comfortable. May Cash looks comfortable despite the fact he's been here for, what, six, seven games? Um, and it, it's all about this kind of comfort, this this feeling as, of, of part of a squad. And I think, you know, even the, the foreign players like Dougie, like Trezeguet, feel that. And I think, you know, their English has improved, which, which obviously helps, but... Yeah, I think I think if you were to pick out three three players that have improved the most since maybe the start of this season or towards the the latter stages of last season, I would pick Trez, Dougie, and and Matt Target. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd go with that, and obviously you chucked uh, Conser's name in as as well, and I I'd, I'd I'd add him in there too. Um, I did a piece about Target a few weeks back um, at the start of the season, kind of. Sort of not not having a go at him, but 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 just sort of a bit worried about him really that he he might not kick on quick enough. He he felt like he was a little bit weak defensively. Um, there's no doubt he's he's excellent going forward. He always has been. Um, you know, very very good crossing the ball and and his link up play, obviously as we see and we saw the other day. Um, but just just that little bit of. Um, Sort of hardness, toughness, I suppose, um, in his play, which which was perhaps a bit lacking, perhaps goes missing a little bit. Um, but it's no doubt he's. I think since I wrote that piece, I don't think he's had a bad game, to be honest. And um, you know, you, you know that that's all you can ask, really. Um, my my concern with him was that obviously, Rika Henry is still potentially on the market, um, waiting there at Brentford and. And we know what how 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 highly Dean Smith rates Rico Henry, and obviously if he came to the club, Target's position might be under threat a little bit. But if Target's going to continue to link up this well in attack and continue to improve himself defensively, then then he'll 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 keep his place, and and it won't be an issue. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Alexandra Lacazette had a had an excellent opportunity to bring Arsenal level five minutes before the end of the first half, but the French forward couldn't keep his head low and ended up firing over the bar. The body language of Arsenal seemed to never really get on track in the first half, and and Lacazette looked visibly frustrated. You know, I've seen things 
from uh, Arsenal Fan TV and, and they were absolutely ripping into Lacazette, you know, saying that, you know, obviously obviously Watkins had a, had a big impact that we'll get onto later, but they were saying which player looked like the £50 million striker, Lacazette or Watkins, and they unanimously agreed that it was Ollie Watkins. Would you attribute the, the, the poor, like, you know, body language and, and the visible frustration in some of the Arsenal players on, on how good Aston Villa were on the day? Or, or do you think it was a bad day at the office for for the Arsenal players? For, for me, at least, I, I think that they didn't have an answer for how good Villa were at the back. Um, you know, I didn't make a lot of mention when I was watching the game. I didn't really... Um, I wasn't really looking at concert Mings very much in that game. And I don't know if that's me as a supporter, just having the trust in that, in that combination of center backs that I thought they'd be able to to do well. But like, I, I didn't really hear their name very much. I didn't really ever think they were in a state of panic. I didn't think they looked shaky, looked really staunch. They were up, they were up for the fight. They were up to completely phase Lacazette and maybe some of the other Arsenal players out of the game. Um, you know, Obama Yang's on a pretty cold run right now. I think he's only had two goals this season. One was a penalty in that game they won against Manchester United. So, for me, I, I thought that it was more about the defensive nature of Villa, how solid they were at the back, and that's going to naturally frustrate any team. Um, I, I just think as far as like the Arsenal fan TV boys go, I just don't think they, they're aware of how good Villa can be defensively on their day, and we've gotten a lot better. You know, th- This isn't 17th Aston Villa anymore. Like it, it's, it's time to really recognize how good this defense can be when they're all playing together, when they're all on song, on the same page, in the same book. I think this is definitely a very staunch defense. I think Arsenal got a little bit of taste of that. But yeah, I, th- I think that as far as their frustrations went, I just think they had a really hard time you know, breaking Villa down. And, you know, you, you've seen Arsenal fans all over uh, social media say we, we set up wrong. Arteta got the tactics wrong. Um, why do we play the same kind of formation and team that we did when we played away from home? We should be on the front foot here. There's younger players in the squad. They've got a million excuses. They got more excuses than a politician. But when it really comes down to it, I think Villa played really, really well with the back. Yeah, I think I think that's, that's absolutely bang on, Mark. I think there's no doubt Villa... Villa kind of squeezed the space um, for for those front guys um, th- th- throughout the game, really. And of course, Arsenal have got quality players, and they do get they do get through you. They do they do open you up at times. Um, but th- th- those chances were kind of few and far between. I never felt like we were under a great deal of pressure, and and that's as much to do with the the midfield as well as the um, as the back four, really. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I I don't really rate like I have to say. I'm, I think uh, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd I'd, I'd be wanting a Bamiang down the middle, um, and uh, you know, you know, well, I'd want, and I'd want Ozil in the team um, to be honest. But um, there, obviously, there's there's issues there and 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 so on. But I, I, I don't think Lacazette's certainly not worth whatever they paid for him. Um, he scored a few goals, but I, I, I'm I'm never I'm never overly concerned about him. Um, I'm more concerned about Aubameyang, and and he did nothing either. So, I think I think um, it was just a really good day at the office for the the Villa back five five or six really, and and they 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 limited the the, the opportunities and the the kind of chances to create chances, if you like. Um, uh, throughout the game, so it's you know, but but any group of fans, we were the same with Leeds and Southampton. If you lose a game, you immediately say, "Well, we set up wrong, the tactics were wrong, the the manager got that wrong." 
it's natural, isn't it? And and particularly when you lose to a team who you perceive to be not as good as you. Um, yeah, so that's that's it's just Arsenal fans blowing off some steam in it, as they do. Yeah. Well, Aston Villa were going at the break in the lead and would be hoping that they could make it two victories from two against Arsenal in 2020. It appeared as though Dean Smith was pretty pleased with his team going into the break, but there was there was more to come from the villains in the second half. Arsenal would come out the other side of the halftime break with a substitute, uh, replacing Thomas Partey with Danny Ceballos. It was a bit of a head-scratcher. I don't know whether Partey was injured, um, but... Th- the like-for-like like substitute didn't really change much tactically for Arsenal. Um, but it was almost Arteta desperately trying to tilt the game in his team's favour. Villa's threat continued early into the second half as Grealish cut in at the near post and tried to strike it into the net. Leno produced a, an, an outstanding save with a with a reaction save. Um and from some of the resulting corners, Jack attempted a Derby-esque volley, but but Tierney bravely got his head to the ball. As Villa fans, we've we've seen that fish before. Grealish completely unmarked at the edge of the 18-yard box, waiting for a corner delivery so he can smash it into the top corner. There's two things I want to ask here. The firstly, did anyone else think that one was destined for the back of the net if it wasn't for uh, Tierney's noggin? Or, well, as well, um, who do you think got the better end of the deal here? Leno, he's he's a top keeper, but Martinez is looking like the better the better option at the moment, and I think Villa did well to secure his services. For me, I actually came up off of my seat whenever I saw the corners start to come in, and Jack Grealish starts to kind of wind it up a little bit, and I'm like, oh, we know what's coming, baby. Let's go, Jack. I was I was up off my seat in that split second. I thought it was going in. It was it was a really good block. I'll, I'll give Tyranny credit on that one. But I mean, we, we've seen this before. We know that Jack likes to hang outside the area a little bit on corners, and I just I don't, I don't know. Maybe people think that maybe he's not such a big body that you don't have to mark him on a corner, but I think it's vital for the opposition to kind of just just keep an eye, have someone just keep an eye on where he's at. You don't really know what he's what he's going to do. But um, as far as the goalkeeping situation, I think we got the better keeper. Um, I don't think that splashing that, what was it, 20 million pound for, for, for Emmy was was a horrible thing. At the time, a lot of people was like, we have heat and we don't need that. He'll be back, you know, all this. But I think we got probably one of the most underrated keepers that the Premier League's seen in a while. Uh, I'm really happy about that. I like, not only do I like his goalkeeping, I like just how passionate he talks about the game. Um, after the game, he had a very, very nice words to say about not only, um, you know, the team in general, but also the players that are playing directly in front of him. I like that. He seems like he's been waiting for this chance a long time to actually belong to a club, not just take part in a club. So you're seeing it now. And it's hard done on heat and we don't know what the future really holds for him he played with the uh what was it the under 21s yesterday against burnley um so uh, he's still on the road to recovery heats and you know i always rated him as a goalkeeper and whatnot but i think we have an absolute stud between the sticks with with emmy martinez yeah totally totally agree with the the martinez comments i was probably one of those that you talked about when i was a bit i got a bit fed up of uh villa signing goalkeepers over the last two or three years and you know, you you want a goalkeeper really to be your number one for a, for a number of seasons, um, and to be the, the kind of cornerstone at the back for you. Um, but look, I mean, I didn't believe it when we were linked with him. I thought, no, that's rubbish. There's no way Arsenal are going to sell him. But we kept going, we kept putting the bids in, and we kept we kept kept the pressure on, and um, and in the end, Arsenal. 
Arsenal went for it. And I just think, I still can't believe he's a Villa goalkeeper, <laughs> to be honest with you. I just think he's such a good goalkeeper. And and um, we've for me, we've definitely got the, the, the better end of that deal. Um, and I love the fact as well that he's... He's the right age for a goalkeeper. Um, he's still got potential to improve as he goes into his 30s and then he's potentially got another three, four, five years at the top. Um, so for £20 million, it's an absolute steal for me. If he can... Because sometimes you sign a young goalkeeper. Say if we'd have signed, say, Sam, Sam Johnson... Um, Young goalkeeper, they always have a dip. You look at how Pickford is going, having you know been looked at, you know, an outstanding keeper at first. You know, he's had a couple of seasons, or certainly a season or so, where he's he's he has dipped and he's he's really struggling for confidence. The same was true of De Gea, um, and they, I think, they, Emi Martinez has has got that all out of his system, hasn't he? And he's he's now twenty eight, twenty nine, and he's 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 in the absolute peak of his development and uh I I just think it's an it's just an excellent signing you know for once we're not going for the the old guy who's kind of you know maybe got a couple of years and we're not going for the young guy who you've got to then invest in to develop we've got someone who's just out of the box ready to go and I just I just love it I really do I just think he's such a such a commanding figure at the back I just I just think it's um what a signing! What a signing! I think you know our, our goalkeeping kind of setup is the strongest that it, it has it has ever been since since I can recall. You know, we we've always had you know the likes of Bosnich and uh, Guzan and Friedel and and the likes, but there, there was never such quality in depth. Um, you know. Should Emmy pick up an injury like so many of our goalkeepers have in the last couple of seasons, I'm confident that we have, you know, ample backup. We have Emmy in the first place, who is an Argentina national team keeper. Granted, he hasn't appeared for them as of yet. He may during the, the, the upcoming international break. Um, we have Heaton, who is a current slash former England international. We have Steer, who granted has has not appeared at any kind of international level. He was touted with a call up to the Scotland squad not too long ago, and you know he was the he was the playoff semi final hero. Um, you know he's more than capable of some outstanding saves. And then we have Lovray, who granted we don't expect to appear any time in in the in the future, but. You've got to remember he, he he was up until not too long ago until he arrived at Villa the the Croatian national team keeper um, and he's had a torrid time at the club but you know if it if it meant that he needed to kind of step between the sticks I think he'd be all the more willing to kind of prove himself and I think you know those four keepers as are kind of set up including the the likes of the the youth keepers in in. Um, Odi and um, Sinisalo, you know, I think we've got some some great, great talents that, that can see this club kind of move forward in the next couple of years. And, you know, you will have Heaton retiring within the next couple of years or, or moving on to a, a smaller club per se. Um, but Steer's still got four years left on his contract, I believe. Um, 
Uh, and then you've got these these young keepers that are, are trying to come through. So I think, you know, it, it's in the healthiest position it's been in for, for a very, very long time. I can agree with that. I, I have no problem with what the goalkeeping situation is looking like at Aston Villa. I'm just, I'm glad that we, we found a keeper now with Martinez where it's, he's definitely going to be the number one moving forward. I don't think that changes. But again, like you said, if an injury does pop up, if something, you know, were to happen, we do have options. Um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of get this feeling like Heaton's going to recover here. He's going to go to a, a mid-table to lower mid-table team. He might even find himself in a, in a top you know championship team. Um, I think he is going to want to play, especially coming back from an injury. I don't know if you can facilitate that with how well uh, Emmy's playing, right? at least right now. you know It's still a long season. we still got some games to go. You know Twists and turns are always on the cards in this game. So I, I, I really do like Tom Heaton. I was very pleased whenever we brought him into the door. His injury was, was very unfortunate. I thought he was going to be the goalkeeper between the sticks for Villa for the next couple of seasons. But, you know, thing, things work out the way they do. But I, I'm completely over the moon with, with I mean, Martinez. I, I love watching him play. Again, I, I love his personality. He has the drive. He has the commitment. And, you know, don't forget, he, he sat behind other keepers at Arsenal for so many years that he had a lot of time to think about this. He had a lot of time to sit there and mentally, you know, think to himself, what what more can I do to get my shot? How can I get better? Improving, always on the ready, always ready to jump in between those sticks in the event anything happens. That that takes a toll on a person in a positive way. You know, it's it's going to get you a little battle hard. It's going to get you ready whenever you are handed a shot. You're going to take it. You saw it last year at the end of the season with Arsenal. You're now seeing, you know, with Aston Villa. So long may it continue. And let's not forget as well, um, in addition to that, um, the quality of the goalkeeper coach that we have. Um, I know we've talked about Neil Cutler being the the free kick coach, which is a bit odd. Um, But yeah, he's got such a great reputation of improving goalkeepers um, that, yeah, that can only be a good thing. And I agree, I agree. We've got a great great, uh, set of keepers. Um, I'm still... Team Jed, you know, still love the guy. He's my hero. He's probably my my all time favourite Villa goalkeeper, which is a bit <laughs> a bit strange. But you know, the way he made me feel during that playoff campaign was, I, I can't I can't turn my back on him. He's just he's in he's he's etched in my brain um, as the as the top man now. Um, but yeah, certainly Martinez uh, is is just just class, just absolute class, absolutely. Well, just after the airmark, Arsenal made their final two changes, replacing Willian and Lacazette with Pepe and Eddie and Ketia. Now, Willian and Lacazette were, I'm not going to say awful, but largely ineffective throughout the game. Um, and, you know, Pepe and, and Ketia did, did kind of liven Arsenal up a little bit, but it was it was very odd to see... Arteta make his three changes, you know, with still half an hour remaining in the game. Do you think this was a case of Arteta trying to rescue something from the game, or, or to try and turn turn the the tides in his favour? Almost, you know, it, it's very much a case of. For me, this isn't going well. Let's throw the kitchen sink at it. I maybe I don't know. I think he he kind of didn't have a choice. I mean, they they looked very stale. You know, for as good as Villa did look, Arsenal didn't. They just couldn't get it together. And and I personally attribute that more to how Villa played the game and how you know, determined we were to win balls back and all, all that sort of thing. I think Villa was completely the better team and for their own doing. But, I mean, 
w- Willian does not look good at Arsenal. I think there's nine games he's played now for him, and he he hasn't found a net back of the net. He hasn't made an assist. Largely ineffectual. He seems like he has absolutely zero confidence in in his game right now, which is a shame to see. We saw how good he was at Chelsea. Um, you know, with Eddie Nketiah, he, he he can find the back of the net. You know, we we, we saw him do it last year um, in the championship. I, I believe he was with Leeds. Was he the yeah, he was striker for Leeds? Yeah, for six months. Yeah, six months. Yeah. So you know, he he's a fabulous footballer. He's, he's young. He, he'll he'll you know do what he's doing. But I think this was a little bit desperation time for Arteta. He saw the game slipping away, um, and you know, I don't. He he could have put anybody. In, in the country on that pitch. I don't think you're beating Aston Villa that day. Yeah, I, 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 I totally echo that. Um, and it was about, I think he's he's looking at the, the patterns of play from the sideline as a coach and he's thinking, we can't get a hold of the ball, we can't get a grip on the game and, and there was only one thing that was going to happen at that point and that, that was that Villa were going to score again and again probably and and take the game away from them. So he had to do something to to just add or get, at least try and give us something extra to think about um and a bit more a bit more pace and maybe a bit more movement up front but you know it's um it, it just didn't really make any difference at all and uh, I agree with you Mark I think it was more about how Villa played and and how we set up and in such contrast to to the week before when you know I was well we were all on here sort of bemoaning the fact that we we weren't really at it. We'd started slow. We were sluggish. We weren't getting after Southampton. Entirely different night and day um, this week. And yeah, I think I think uh, Arteta probably looked at it and just said, oh, "I might as well play my hand because uh, the game's going away from us anyway." Yeah, yeah, I think I think that was very much the case myself as well. So Villa picked up their second goal with twenty minutes remaining and. It, it was an outstanding goal. Douglas Louise pinged a high ball towards the back post for Ross Barkley, who who placed a sublime kind of first time volley pass across the, across the uh, the goal line for Watkins to head into an almost open net. Now I I I don't know about the rest of you, but the the build up and the eventual goal was was just excellent really Arsenal had no answer for the the crossfield pass from Louise the amazing ball from, from Barkley and then Watkins was left with not much to do except place the ball into the back of the net you know it was exciting football from Aston Villa I thought it was really exciting I thought this specific goal was it was the the majesty on display of how good this team can be whenever they're playing with confidence whenever they're believing in each other whenever they're playing for each other um, like I mean, it, it, if you look back at this goal, how it actually like started from start to finish with Douglas Louise putting that ball over, you know, and then it, it lands Barkley. Barkley on his left foot on his first time right over to Watkins. Watkins, he could have just stood still. He could have just stopped running. It was going to hit Watkins on the body and go in the back of the net. But it, like this is the kind of goal, like if, if you play FIFA, like you, you clip this, like you record this and send your friends, like look at this amazing goal. Like, but this isn't a video game. This is real life. And, and I, I can't believe some of the class that we've seen so far this season from Aston Villa, how they're scoring their goals, their will to want to get there, their determination. This, this is, I, I think we're, I know there's a lot of games left. I'm not getting out of control with this whole thing with being excited, but I think you have to start to question exactly where this team ends up. I think you have to question, can they keep this going? Can they keep the pace? You know, I'm not saying we're going to be champions. I'm not saying we're going to get into Europe, but I am saying that, that Aston Villa is now making teams think about the about, about places on the pitch that other teams 
they might not be able to handle. Um, you know, and it, it is a little bit of pride for the club that I support. I do love this club, but it also is just on an unbiased football footballing side of it that, that we create problems. And we have more than enough people on that pitch now that create problems, especially since Trezeguet's come on. It's not just locking down the left side of the field. And now we have Barkley in the middle as well with McGinn. It's a little hard done on Connor Horahane, Douglas Louise we see in this, in this goal specifically, that not only is he very staunch defensively and he's able to kind of organize the, the middle of that field leading up to, the, to Villa's own third of the pitch, but he can also ping balls around. We know he can shoot when given an opportunity. No one's going to forget about the goals he scored last season. Um, yeah, I don't know. Andy, did you, did, is this one of the more exciting goals that you've seen from Villa from over the years? Because I, I think this was a crackerjack of a goal, man. I just think it's symptomatic of when you have players in the team that can that can do these things. I mean, we've seen, I don't know, I've watched over the last 10 years, really, um, you know, the, the difference in, in quality between Aston Villa, wherever they are in the football pyramid, um, and the and the top the top draw teams that that can pull off these type of goals, um, I mean it looked it was very very basic, but the skills the skill set involved in in creating that goal is is re- really top draw, particularly from Barkley, I think. Um, but when you have players of that that kind of class, that international class, that can that can hit balls like that and 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 look after the ball in that in that way. Um, these kind of goals are gonna are gonna happen, and I mean Watkins finished it nicely, but I mean it was a it was on a plate for him, really, wasn't it? And that's that's what that's that's what you want. You want a, 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 the team to create those kind of chances for a player that can that obviously is is very very good at finishing and getting into those positions. So yeah, absolutely, it was it was just one of those where he thought because when when Louis clipped it over, I thought oh that's gone too far. Based on what we've seen from Villa teams in the recent past, and then suddenly the ball's back in the six-yard box, and Watkins is heading it in. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a strange kind of out-of-body experience watching Villa at the moment. Sort of <laughs> yes, feeling, <it> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feeling like feeling like this this is another team. This is a group of imposters um, wearing Aston Villa shirts. Um, but when you've got you've got guys of this quality um, and, and operators that are that are that are playing at the top of their game, you're gonna you're gonna score these type of goals against good teams, and it's, it's it is very exciting. That goal seemed to make Arsenal almost like self capitulate, or, or or rather Aston Villa kind of go for the jugular almost. Um, Shortly after, Grealish had a shot cleared off the line before the 75th minute saw Jack race down the pitch in a counter-attack after some smart play from Emmy Martinez. The captain ran pretty much the length of the pitch, um, took a challenge from Hector Bellerin before playing Watkins into goal, who who fired between Leno's legs and into the net. You know, Bellerin went a little viral in, in footballing circles for, for this goal, and obviously not for any good reason. Um, th- he, he bounced off Grealish as he attempted to, to dispossess him, and, you know, it, it showed that Grealish is in fact strong on his feet. You know, he doesn't go down unless he needs to, or unless he wants to. Um, and... As well as this, it it shows how far he's come in terms of his build and his strength. You know, we remember him as a sprightly teenager and as a young 
lad in the championship and he he was thin almost he was very weedy and now he's almost stocky you know he, he's very much a man and very much someone that, that despite the fact that he he's felled so often people can look to him and go you know he could have gone down there and, and took the free kick but he he stayed on his feet and and kind of rode this challenge and almost you know bounced Bellerin off him and, and got the assist for the goal yeah I mean I, I think that I don't know it's it's I, I take immense pride in the fact that I watched Jack Grealish make his debut and it looked like he had a he had a kit on that was three sizes too big and now you're seeing the maturation process and we've all seen it as Aston Villa fans but outside of you know being a Villa fan you really haven't seen that to take the pride in it to where it would seem like he would get uneasy it didn't seem like he was he was really going to fill into his body type a little bit but now you're seeing this with Hector Bellerin and like Bellerin's not a bad right back you know like maybe he has had better seasons and you know things like that maybe he is only getting international call-ups for Spain because there's injuries in the squad but the the fact remains is that you know Hector Bellerin tried to push Jack Grealish off the ball and Hector Bellerin almost found himself at the ball ring because Jack Grealish was so strong and he bounced off him so like the 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 whole fact of the matter is is that like we we are seeing Jack Grealish finally I mean we we talk about what he's going to develop into and all these things we've said it for years he he can be you know he has the world at at his feet and he can he can do this we're seeing it right now we're we're living in it right now it's not it's not just like how good can he get like even if it this is just how good he gets with how he's playing right now currently I'm completely completely happy with that um but yeah it, it was a little cartoon in nature to me to see Beller and he just he tried so hard and it's just there there was no way he was getting that that ball of Jack Grealish Andy there there was no way no absolutely and and, and like you say um we've we've seen this and um, we've seen this come in for how many years now i think i think really the turning point was his his kidney injury wasn't it when when Steve Bruce was manager and he was all set up to be you know Steve Bruce's number 10 um they were going to build the team around him um and and then he got that really bad, you know, almost life threatening injury, really, um, which which I think took him back a bit and 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 made him reassess perhaps the way he 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 was he was um, conducting himself as a as a professional footballer. I know that's been been covered, you know, plenty by the by the media, um, particularly the local media, and how he's come back from that. Um, but we've known for ages how good this guy is, and and he's he's just get to a level. I I I actually doubted whether he would, you know, be at this level in the Premier League. I thought he would be a very very good Premier League player, um, but I don't see a better player in the Premier League at the moment. I, and that might seem like a a bold claim. He's certainly the most informed player, um, but I just don't see a better player than him. At the moment, anywhere in the Premier League, and his 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 numbers are stacking up as well to support that. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but I just you know everything that the good that seems to happen on the pitch for Villa involves Jack Grealish, and um, you know if the, if you believe the was it the who scored stats that have, that are floating around today, you know Villa are the most are the best team in Europe on these stats or something which I I don't really understand maybe Mark knows more about that 
Um, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take it. Whatever they're saying, I'll, I'll take it. If they're saying we're the best team in Europe, baby, I'm taking I'm taking that to the bank and making a deposit. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket all freaking week through the entire international break. Yeah, it's, I mean it's floating around on on social media, and 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 I I mean I don't know, but obviously we're a game down, aren't we? We're we're a game behind everyone else, and you know I think if we win that game in hand, we'd be top of the league. So it kind of stands to reason. And and for me, he's he's the best player in that team. So I don't know. It's it's like I say, it's like an out of body experience at the minute. It's 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 hard to get my head around. But he's he's gone to a level higher than I thought he would, if I'm honest. Um, but he's he's just out of this world at the minute. And I wish I was down there watching him every week. Um, to be honest, but. well, he he stands a very good chance of winning the Player of the Month award for the, for October. Um, you know, as as a FIFA player, I'll be happy with that because he gets he gets a card that I can I can uh, I can get and put into my past and present Aston Villa side. But I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and he's he's talking like he needs some like amazing card. Like if you see this guy's team, like it's out of this world, insane. Like you need an informed Jack Grealish ring. Come on, Come it's on. it's gone over my head. This. <laughs> We'll get we'll get back to the uh, the game the game anyway. But what, what can we really say that hasn't already been said? You know, is is this game a statement from Villa after losing two games back to back in in rather poor performances? You know, Dean Smith hinted after the Arsenal game that, that the previous game against Southampton was a bit of a fluke. You know, conceding two set piece goals from free kicks is rare, and his team knew that they really had to had to put in a better performance. But could this better performance could have got could it have gone any better for Villa? You know, every player on the pitch played a part and played it well. The team seemed like a very cohesive unit, completely blanking a very talented and promising Arsenal team. Is it time to start thinking that that Villa can finish in the top ten this season? I, I think it's time. I, I, I think we're we're really seeing it come together now that they they can get. Um, and it, like, even if it's just outside the top half, like if they, if they finish 12th, I'm completely okay with that. Um, it's going to take a slide and it's going to take some things happening again, you know, football is a crazy game, but I think that people need to start actually like realizing how we're breaking down these, you know, I guess, perceived bigger teams. Um, a lot of people think Arsenal aren't in that conversation anymore, but it's just funny that you only heard that opinion once Aston Villa beat them three. No, now people are talking about Leicester might've moved into that Manchester United, you know, they're on a slide as well. But I think that it's, it's easy to look at Villa. And I think right now we're kind of getting the looks of like, are these guys for real? Are they pretenders? Is this going to slide off? How's it going to go? None of us can can see the future, how it's going to be. But I, I think just by the numbers, um, how you're seeing the team play, how much you're, you're, you're hearing them whenever they're, they're doing interviews and such, talking about how great the atmosphere is at the club and how great the changing room is, everyone gets along, that kind of thing. Those are very, very important things. And then you put the talent in that as well into the equation. And it, it's nothing but promising places. I do believe this is a club on the rise. I think they are going to keep pushing forward. Uh, I'm absolutely... Like like Andy said, it feels like I'm I'm living in some weirdo dream. Like like I, I ate something weird before bed, and I had this dream of just this immaculate, amazing Aston Villa team. And I I respect them, and I do understand that we have talent in the team. But like I had to sit through players like Ashley Westwood and Kieran Richardson. I'm going to take this as a. As it's such a great feeling. I'm on such a high with this team right now. I hope it lasts. I have a feeling it would. I'm tired of people like being like, oh, it's just, it's okay. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing it. Get excited. You're allowed to be excited. I don't know, Andy. Do you, do you think I'm getting a little overboard or do you think that, that, that this could actually be a, a top of the table team? 
I think you've got every reason to go a bit um, a bit excited, Mark. I think it's uh, like you say um, when you've you've sat through. I mean, I've I've perhaps been following Villa a bit longer than than you two guys, and you know I have seen you know very very competitive teams with good players, um, you know, but not for such a long time. And I think I think um, guys slightly younger like yourselves um, have, have perhaps gone through a huge sort of terrible time of, of in Villa's history under under Randy Lerner initially and then and then obviously the debacle in the championship. So um I think you should absolutely get excited and, and the thing about it is none of us know how it's gonna finish. I think sometimes we get a little bit obsessed with what's it gonna be like at the end of the season. Well you know I don't want to think about that because there'll be no football on. I I want to enjoy it now. I want to enjoy um, what we're seeing at the moment, and and you know even more so that you know we are locked out of the grounds at the minute. I want to, I want to watch the games, and I want to, you know, feel part of it. Um, probably more so than 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 ever really. Um, and the fact that we have a great side at the moment, and it started really well, it just makes it all all the better. And I think we should get, we should we should be optimistic and positive. And all those words that we don't like to use in case it all goes wrong. But who, who cares if it goes wrong? We've 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 beaten Liverpool seven two. That's never going away, is it? You know, we've we've you know the, the, the Arsenal game. The scoreline was less impressive, but it was a great performance, and it just builds the confidence um, throughout the the fan base, um, and and obviously you know through all levels of the club really. So we're, we're here to we're not playing. We're here to. We're here to compete and be successful, and that's been the mantra all the way along from the you know, the the ownership and Perslow. Um, it might take some time, and we're doing it in stages, but we're we're deadly serious, and and this is the way it's going, and it's it's an incredible statement, I think, at the moment. Firstly, Mark, I won't hear a bad word said about Ashley Westwood. The man was made into a scapegoat, very unfairly. <laughs> man, you know, it, it's so funny because, like, we've talked about this, and I do know that he he's been labelled a scapegoat, and I do think that you know he went to Burnley and he's he's doing great things, not great things, but he's he's doing adequate things for Burnley. But man, I was just so tired of the south to west passes. Like it was either backwards or to the left all the time. And he I I don't know. I mean this this is like one of the minor very minor things that me and you disagree on in, in Aston Villa lore. I just I I didn't I didn't think much of him, man. I just didn't think much of him. I, I love it actually cuz uh that was like that, you know when when a player makes a bad tackle and the the play carries on, they play the advantage and then they go back and book him afterwards. That's what that felt like just now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you stored that one up. You said, "I'm going back. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna reprimand him I'll, for I'll, that." I'll take the yellow one. This one. <laughs> be careful. It might be a red next time. Oh, way but um, <laughs> but um, th- there was a, there was an Aston Villa side in the late eighties, I believe. I, I can't remember exactly when, but we finished seventeenth, then second, and then seventeenth. Would you guys? Would you guys take that this this time around? You know, a, a relegation battle to finish in second and then finish in seventeenth again? Hell no! Get that out of here. I don't want nothing to do with that. My my heart, my heart. I'm 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 too big for that, man. My heart will explode. I don't want that. Yeah, I remember that. That was when I first started um, following Villa, and we 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 got promoted, and then we had a as you'd expect, like we did last season, we had a relegation battle, and then amazingly, sort of finished second in the league, and. Um, 
the only reason I think we we struggled then the following year was um, because we changed the manager and um, Dr. Joe Venglos came in and he just didn't didn't quite have the measure of of things really and uh, and it slipped away. Um, but no, you don't want if if we're if we're locked out this season and we're going back next season, I don't want a relegation battle. <laughs> Oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, switch topic. Get off of this. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about uh, Ian Wright. Obviously, he's a he's a Arsenal legend in his in his own right. Um, even after his former team, you know, he holds very closely to his heart with, with the Fee by Villa. He he claimed that Villa, if they were walking down the street, would would bear a similar resemblance to John Travolta walking down the streets in Saturday Night Fever, saying that Villa were it on the night, you know, the, 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 and, and he said it in his own podcast, that Villa are the cool side, he'd want to play for Villa right now, that they've got a swagger about them, um, you know, and, and it, what does this mean to you, that, like, you know, a, a legend of the game, and a legend of a club that, that your side has just defeated, he's, he's so highly praising Villa right now. Yeah, if you think about how much football Ian Wright has played, and then you think about how much football Ian Wright has watched, and then for him to heap on this praise for this Aston Villa team, that should give everybody a little smile. You, you got to get a little excited about that. Um, I, I think that, and, and he, he's no BS. I think that he meant that. I don't think that was just like saying it just to say it, or I, I didn't take it as like a, a pat on the head or anything like that. I think he's serious. I think he, he can see what this team is. He can see that the team can be you know defensive and lock it down when they have to, and they can go forward and they can play really attractive football, or you know even just try to break teams down like Villa do. So I don't know. I like seeing it from Wrighty. I like I like I like Wright. I like his laugh. His laugh will forever make me want to laugh. Um, he just there's there's something about that man that that I love, and I know that it's it's not a it's not a villain name or anything like that. But I think everybody, when it really comes down to it, they they can appreciate the the brilliance of Ian Wright. Ian Wright was a a tremendous striker. Um, I remember watching him obviously quite a lot in the nineties and for Arsenal and and Palace before actually. Um, and he was a tremendous striker. Um, and if if you'd asked me any point in the last thirty years who my favourite non Villa player is or has been, I'd have said Ian Wright because I just I I really appreciate um, the type of player he was. I, I love strikers. I love number nines, and and he was one of the best and. Um, I think without Alan Shearer, he played for England more. Um, I've got a lot of time for him as a pundit as well. Um, and I think when he's saying something like that about Villa, he's, he's actually commenting from the point of view of being that, si- that, type, that type of striker. So what sort of team would he appreciate playing in? Now, he played with guys like Dennis Bergkamp, Paul Merson, um, I was going to say Anders Limpar. I don't know if many people remember him, but you know, good, really good players that, um, you know, attacking creative players like Grealish and like Barkley, um, and I think he would, he would love it at, at, at Villa because he'd be making all these type of runs. He'll be, you know, dragging defenders all over the place, um, creating space for for. For, for our attacking players and I think he could probably just watch Villa and see himself in that team having played with you know those kind of magician type players before so yeah it means a lot I think for for Wright to say something like that you know he's not saying it from a technical perspective he's not saying it from a from a perspective of 
um, numbers and stats and defensive uh, makeup and stuff like that. He's saying it from a point of view of Villa are a flair team, um, very very dangerous going forward, and he would love to be in that side banging in goals. And I mean that's I mean it's Ollie Watkins should take that on board and you know as he is, you know, he's banging in goals, but, you know, he, he should be very, very excited about what the next two or three seasons potentially hold for him as well. Andy, you might have to correct me on this, but I believe, what was Ian Wright, the, I think it was the 92 FA Cup final, he comes onto the pitch, scores two goals, Manchester United eventually claw back and win the game 3-2 late doors. But, like, that that's something that, like, I've researched to because, obviously, that's way over my age of, of how long I've been watching football. But, like, it just seemed like he had like a genuine enthusiasm for the game, and obviously, like you just said, he sees something like that in Ollie Watkins, or he sees something like that in maybe a Jack Grealish. Like, can you imagine, like, Ian Wright just sitting there thinking, like, man, I would have absolutely loved to play with Jack Grealish. I would have got another 8, 9, 10, 12 goals a season. You know, think about that. Think about a player with that much freedom. And that's what I mean when, when he identifies that there are some some tricky, tricky players in this side that, that and says that he would like to play with them because they're a team on the rise and they play, you know, attractive football. That, that I don't know. To me, that's... That's like up there. That 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 is a praise. That I mean, you 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 can't put a price tag on how how much that would mean to me if I was an Aston Villa player. I totally agree. I totally agree. And you're you're right about that cup final. Although it was, it, it actually finished three all, and there was a replay back in the day uh, when they used yeah. to have replays. You're right. And yeah, uh, was, yeah. and and, us, and uh, sorry, Man, Man United won the replay. But um, no, I think I think I think a lot of a lot of players. I mean, you could probably ask. You know, a number of players, um, certainly strikers, um, who they'd like to play for, and I'm sure a lot of them would say, would say um, Aston Villa, and and that's largely because of because of Jack Grealish, and they could see him opening up all kinds of chances and space for them. So it's it, it yeah, it's a big compliment, and um, you know, with Ian Wright, that it comes from a it comes from a an emotional football perspective, not a not a kind of broken down, overanalyzed perspective. He just feels it, you know. He just feels um, he watches Villa and he and he feels good about it. And I think that's lovely, isn't it? It is. Speaking of Ollie Watkins, um, he now has six goals to his name in the Premier League. Only two off the top spot shared by Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Hyomin Son, Mo Salah and Jamie Vardy. Salah and Vardy have had more than enough successful penalty spot attempts so far, but Watkins and Calvert-Lewin combine for only one penalty goal each. This naturally raises the question, could Ollie Watkins break through into the England setup sometime in the future? You know, England has depth up top. There's there's I don't know, the likes of Kane, Grealish now, uh, Sterling, Sancho, uh, Ings, Calvert-Lewin. But w- what do you think it would take for, for Watkins to be handed an international cap? Regan, I'm actually going to throw this one to you because we all know I don't really like talking about England because I'm always afraid I'm going to make someone pissed off. So, so I'll leave it for you guys, and then I'll leave mine, not mine, for the last. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's got a chance, hasn't he? He's got a chance. Um, I actually think we're seeing um, a few strikers coming through. I, I mean, I, I, I saw earlier he's, he's by no means the top. English scorer. Bear, bear in mind, he scored six goals in seven games. He's, he's. There's, there's a good few English strikers that have scored more than him, and um, I think Harry. Obviously, Harry Kane's the number one 
striker Tammy Abraham's floating about, and you've got Calvert Lewin and Ings who have who have come come to the fore as well. And he's he's some way down the list probably Watkins, and he probably does need at least one one and a half really good good seasons to to really break in. But if you get a couple of injuries, you never know. He might just get a, an opportunity. He might just get a call up. Um, I know that um, you know Southgate likes likes to um, you know b- bring players in who 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 have who have gone through the ranks a little bit. He's you know and um, there is a, a, a few similarities you know between sort of Watkins coming through and Jamie Vardy um, when he came through at Leicester and. Um, He's got a. He's, he's certainly got a chance um, if he can continue scoring all those go- all these goals for Villa and against you know top class opposition as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Andy. Like I think, you know, he does need to prove himself o- over a longer period, but at the same time, you know, injuries, drops in form. If Ollie keeps up what he's doing, he. He could very easily find himself in the squad for the Euros. You know, if if we've got, you know, so we're sitting here in March, April time, and you know Kane's picked up another dreadful injury, or or Calvert Lewin's out, or Abraham is is out. You know, anything could happen, and 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 Watkins could find himself in that squad if he continues this kind of goal scoring form. Yeah, and I, th- I think as well when you look at the news today about Jude Bellingham getting a call up. Um, I know they're slightly different players playing slightly different positions, but you know he's 17 years old. He's played a few games for Birmingham City, and he's he's played, or is it one or two games for Dortmund? And um, you know he's 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 in the squad, so there's always a chance. I think that's more of a, a kind of just shifting him up from the the under 21s, maybe. Um, but you know, if 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 guys like that are getting their opportunity, then there's no reason why Watkins. Can't as well, and of course, you know, if I was Ross Barkley, I'd be a little bit gutted that with Ward Prowse um, dropping out of the squad, that that Barkley's not been sort of handed a call up really because he's been he's been banging form as well. So, um, but I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm I'm just sort of thinking on on my feet here a little bit. But I mean, how do we feel about international games going on? Um, at, the, at this current time, um, with the situation as it is, and um, you know, potentially kind of causing you know more transmission, more spreading, and and maybe even putting the the domestic fixture, fixtures in 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 jeopardy. I mean, I, I not to cut you off, I mean, I don't I don't like it. I don't like that there's international games going on. Um, I know they have to. Uh, to a point, they have to, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just it seems like now's not really the time. But I know that there's other things that go into that decision. Re- Regan, go ahead. Sorry, buddy. There's been a load of talk in in our press, at least anyway, that that you know we might have to forfeit games or or not play games because of different regulations and and issues going on in in Iceland and Denmark and 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 things like that. So you know that says it all really for me that that international games shouldn't be going ahead. Just use it as a, almost like a, a break in. in in the play you know you can carry on training you can you can work on things you know it would help sides like perhaps um arsenal who've just you know had an embarrassing defeat at the hands of a a perceived underdog so 
if if you know these games can't go ahead or or shouldn't be going ahead, then then just use it as a as a twelve day break or, or or something of that vein, or just a training camp for England, I suppose, um, or mm. for the international teams, and they can play behind closed doors against you know, or they could even play Wales or Scotland, couldn't they? Or you know, if they have to, if they absolutely have to, but I think travelling across borders. I mean, they were talking about uh, is it the Iceland game? having to play in Albania or something. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, I, I, that it's the same could be said of the Champions League, but they're potentially just putting the, you know, the, the, the bread and butter of the football league um, in all the countries at risk. Um, And bearing in mind as well, a lot of international players don't necessarily just play in the Premier League or the top leagues. You know, they're playing in sometimes League One, or the championship, and the, you know, and and the same sort of all around the world, the equivalent um, where they're not having the the, the strict stringent testing programs that the Premier League have. So, you know, I just think it's it it just feels wrong to me. And um, sorry for going a, a bit off track, but it's just something that I thought we should we should perhaps cover. Really, following the the Arsenal game, uh, well, even before the Arsenal game, Mark wrote about what the next five games could mean for how this season will progress. Uh, you can obviously go back and read that article on Um But it's a small rundown of what to expect and what to look out for in the in the next handful of contests. Obviously, Villa have, have a gap now of, of, of 12 days before they take on Brighton and Hove Albion at home. Um you know, we've beaten Arsenal pretty decidedly. Uh, our next opponents are, are Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, and Wolves, and those games are over a four-week period. But you know, how do you see them playing out? Are you optimistic with with how Villa played against Arsenal, or do you, do you feel there may be some drama on the cards? You know, our, our last couple of games at Villa Park didn't go necessarily very well, but our away form is is incredible at the moment. Yeah, I, I listen. Like for this run of games. For, for those teams that, that we're playing. I just think you have to take them one by one. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't look up and be like, okay, we got Wolves in a couple of weeks. We got to, you know, do this or do that. I, I just want the coaching staff keep doing what they're doing. Take it one at a time. Keep the boys determined. Keep them on their toes. You know, work on some things when you can. I know that sounds crazy because how well Villa are playing so far this season, but there's always things to work on. They, you know, they can definitely brush up on, on some of the zonal marking they have on free kick opportunities and corners. Um, you know, I would like to see that worked on myself, but it doesn't have to be some crazy, like, you know, regimented, you know, running up and down the pitch crazy, you know, anything like that. Just work on it. Just have have a discussion. Look at some, some you know, game film or tape or whatever and, you know, see how things are going. See maybe there, there's a little bit of chemistry you can get involved with maybe some of the squad players. You know, we do have a decent amount of people on international duty that are that are pretty nailed on for the starting 11. So just get those guys involved. You know, have some fun. Use it as kind of like a rest and, you know, just a brush up on some things. But, yeah, as, as far as, you know, these games, I'm, I'm looking at just one game at a time. I think we can dispatch Brighton. I think West Ham's going to be the tricky one of, of, of the remaining four games we're talking about. Um, Newcastle, I want – I'm sorry. After the Steve Bruce thing, I don't ever want to see us lose to a Steve Bruce head coach team. That's just that's just my opinion. And Wolves flip a coin. I think on their day, Wolves can show up. And I think you know on on other days they just look like they they don't have an answer for a lot of things that that modern um, modern Premier League teams do. So I mean, I'm I'm optimistic about it. It might be a little overly optimistic, but I'm curious to see how this goes, Andy. Yeah, I think we have to be optimistic based on the last game. Um, I suppose it's the previous two that worry me and whether we've learnt some of the lessons about teams that maybe 
um, might take a, a bit more breaking down um, in 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 you know defensively. Um, certainly, West Ham and Wolves fall into that category. I think Wolves are going to be really really hard for us to to play against because they always are and they're they're just so well set up. Um, but yeah, it's it's one game at a time, isn't it? <laughs> to, to use the cliche, um, and and Brighton have started probably a bit worse than they expected to, and you know, maybe they're they're a team that are, are, are there for the taking a little bit. Um, but I just want to see us, you know, just try and continue in the same vein, you know, on the front foot from from the word go, you know. With that press, you know, and 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 putting the pressure on and winning those winning those challenges and earn the right to play like 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 we did on on Sunday. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it could be a very f- fruitful few games, few weeks for us, couldn't it? And really put us in a really really good position um, around Christmas time when the league starts to um, kind of. Um, solidify a little bit, really, and 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 you start to get more of an idea of of where people are, where teams are gonna gonna be headed um, come May. So, um, yeah, very exciting, and um, yeah, let, hopefully it's a it's a real it's a real sort of bonus time for us. Let's hope we will be back with a podcast next week in the run up to the Brighton fixture. So we're not going to be doing. St- score predictions just yet instead guys short and sweet one word answers man of the match for the Arsenal game Ah, uh, for me Trezeguet uh, Jack Grealish and for me Ollie Watkins yeah we stuck to the rules <laughs> look at that imagine that <laughs> yeah we stuck that. I, I made I made sure because last week I, I, I told Regan I was disregarding it so I had to be, be a little nicer for the for the outro this time I, a point a point to make actually I predicted us to lose but I said when I predict us to lose we usually win quite emphatically so I might just stop predicting us to lose every week and maybe we'll get uh, games like that I would not be upset it's the with reverse that. psychology yeah it's the reverse psychology you got it right <laughs> guys thank you as always for listening to this podcast if you have enjoyed it please do leave us a review or a comment on social media we do appreciate them you can listen to us obviously on all the platforms and leave a review on any platform that you do wish you can follow us on twitter at villa lamp on Instagram at underagasitlamp and on Facebook forward slash underagasitlamp. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa. <laughs>